0: Um, welcome to the house. How do you guys like this? this is the first time we've ever done this. You guys, this okay? Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, we know it's hot in here. We know we didn't pay the AC bill. Um, we'll pay it next month, so it'll be a little bit cooler. So, um, hope you guys. Well, we just want to say welcome. I'm David Burke. I resemble nothing like that picture that they showed of me, and those stories are completely untrue. So, anyway, um, we are glad that you are here. And uh, what was interesting about Jason and Jeremy being up here um, talking about stories and core groups is is, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. And if I were to tell you that if I had been writing my story, that there's no way I should be standing here, that is how I would start my story. There's no way that I should be standing here is how I would begin my story. If I had tried to write it. From the moment that, that I was born and, and the, in my early childhood, if I was the one that was writing my own story, there's no way that I should be standing here doing this and what I'm doing. And a lot of you, I have, I have no idea how many of you are freshmen, but I, I'm assuming that there's maybe five of you that might be freshmen that are here. And, you know, a lot of you have had to do a little bit of telling your story, right? Right. And even if you're an upperclassman, you, you might have moved in with new roommates or you got new classmates, you got new study partners, you're in a new major or whatever. And how many people really ask you to tell your story? It usually goes like this. Where are you from, right? How many, how many of you have answered that question today? Exactly. Where are you from? Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville usually. some in Chattanooga. How many anybody here from Chattanooga? Like grew up in Chattanooga? Isn't that interesting? Those of you that, that come to UTC from other places... There are very few people that are actually from Chattanooga. So do not do that again. Okay. Um, Or that, whatever I did there. Um, But anyway, I'm going to stand still now. Um, You know, I had the chance, one of the things that I get to do in college ministry, because let's be honest, this is fun and all, but you all are here to meet guys and girls. And one of the things that I do is a lot of weddings. And um, I get to do my last one of the summer this this Saturday. And it's a guy that was really involved here at the house. And the cool thing is, is that the majority of his grooms were all guys in his core group. And uh, he's got like seven groomsmen. I think five of them were all in his his core group. Uh, Neat story about him. He was a a high school baseball player. Um, Smaller guy. Never hit a home run in his life. Goes on the mission trip that we go to in the DR. And guess where he hits his first home run? Wasn't that exciting? But anyway, do we lose me? No, we're back. Um, but I had lunch. With... Um, I'm going to just stand still now and just be like your professors and be focused. Um, and I had lunch with him and his fiance last week. And I, t- I tell you, there is something amazing uh, about being able to ask a couple in love their story. Because it's this funny little thing where they both look at each other and they're like, "Um, I'm going to try this, man. Is that it? (laughs) Prayer works, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. and so I was sitting with, with uh, this guy's name is CJ, CJ and his fiance, and, and, and uh, I didn't know the girl at all, they met later in, in life or whatever, and, um, and so I said, okay, tell me your story about how you fell in love, and they all go, well, you want to tell it? No, you tell it, and then, you know, no, well, I'll tell the first part, and then the second part, it's all cute, and he's probably making a lot of you throw up, but anyway, um, and their eyes light up when they get to tell their story. And then when I got to ask CJ how he asked his fiance to, to, to marry him. His eyes light up. It was a remarkable story. It has to do with the Walnut Street Bridge and, and uh, Coolidge Park and all this kind of stuff. And all these guys in his core group were part of it. And um, I'll just tell you, he, he, um, it was a, it's a great story. You know what candelabras are? You know those little bags with little candles in it? He had his core group guys set up, lit, 90-some candelabra things. That's not the right word, is it? What is it? Candelarias. You don't care. Anyway, um... And, and it said, marry me. And so they were walking across the bridge. And the thing he didn't plan on was that this huge concert had just let out. And so he was surrounded by like 200 people on the bridge who saw him get down on his knee. Because she saw it. It says, marry me. Oh, isn't that cute? I wonder who that's for. And when she turned back around, he was on his knee with a ring in his hand. Isn't that a great story? So hearing that, hearing that. Do we just need to do it all at once? Okay, now we'll move on. Anyway, my point is this. When there's something that's meaningful that's happened in your life, and you get to tell your story, something comes, happens in your heart. It happens in your soul. And when you get somebody in your life that actually listens to your story and wants to know it, um, that's... That's, it's gold. Because it doesn't happen very much, right? You all could probably tell already that the people in your classes or even your roommates or something that are they're trying to get to know you a little bit, some of you have probably run into the, you know, like you start telling your story and they are like, like, oh, hold on. And they start texting their friend or whatever. And you feel like you're not, your story isn't worth anything. Um, but it's a wonderful thing when the opposite happens. When we take time to truly listen to more than just where somebody's from or what they did, what sport they played, what their grade point was, what they were involved in in high school or whatever it was, and you hear their story. Now, um, this semester we're doing something that might sound like it has nothing to do with the story. We're going to be studying the Ten Commandments. And I don't know about you, but... But the, the first image that I had of God, if there was one, and I'll tell you a little bit about my story in a second. The, the image, if, if I had anything about God, was that it's all about commandments. Don't do this, do this, right? And if you see our little flyers, it's about, you know, do what? The Ten Commandments. And you would think, I think I thought, too, for a long time, that God is only concerned with our, with, with our behavior and our doing. But one of the things that we're going to find out even tonight is that before God uttered a single commandment, and this is true not just in the book of Exodus where he lays out the Ten Commandments, but also in the Garden of Eden. He never utters a commandment apart from relationship. God begins with a relationship with us, and it's only out of that relationship that he utters commands. Think about it. He he does not issue out commandments in a vacuum. He is not a distant God that that cares nothing about our lives. But as we're going to look at tonight, before he uttered a single "Don't have any other gods before me," he says these words: "I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the out of the house of slavery." he reminds the people of what he has done for them. The story of God bringing his people out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt is the centerpiece of the identity of the people of Israel. That story continues to be celebrated today by by Jews. It continues to be celebrated by by people that... uh, that profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and if you've ever been to a Seder meal, it's a remembrance of what God did in bringing out the people of God from the land of slavery. So remember this, and I think that a lot of us struggle with this idea that God is simply the don't do this or do this kind of God. And I wanna ask you all a question. If somebody were to ask you right now, who is this God that you came here to sing to or to even just check out what this whole thing was about on a Tuesday night, what would you say? Would you say, well, he is the God of my parents' church? It's, he's the God of what I've always known on Sunday morning? See, the God of my girlfriend's faith, my boyfriend's faith, Has he brought you out of anything? Has he brought you out of anything? Now, before you feel bad about maybe not having an answer for that, let me assure you that maybe that deliverance has not taken place yet in your life. Maybe these next four to five years, and depending on how much longer you got left, and here at UTC, it's always a lot longer than you think. But these next few years might be the years that you actually get the answer to that question you might have always gone to church because your parents did or your parents made you you went because the youth group was cool and the people there were cool your friends were there the girls were there the guys were there whatever it was and all along you've heard the stories maybe you've heard five other series on the 10 commandments before But I want to encourage you to wrestle with this question. What has God brought you out of? In your past? Or what might he be bringing you out of now? You know, the Ten Commandments are an interesting thing. You know, some of you may be wondering, too, why on earth, if we, you know, claim to be a ministry that is about deepening people's love and knowledge of Jesus... We're spending time with the law. Why are we going all the way back to the Old Testament and dealing with that? Because didn't Jesus abolish all that? Actually, the answer is no. But, and some of you might be, be wondering that, that, you know, wasn't the Ten Commandments kind of like this set of stuff that you, you, you kind of held on to for a while until the time of Jesus, and then when Jesus came and, and kind of took care of all that stuff, then God just said, hey, just couldn't about that other stuff don't have to pay attention to that anymore. You ever stop and wonder why the people fight about it being, the Ten Commandments being posted up in city hall and courthouses and schools? Why many of the things that we hold on to in this country are developed from those same commandments? The laws that we have? Does it have anything to say to us here and now in the year 2010? Words uttered on a mountaintop, Mount Sinai, to one man who brought him down on stone tablets, to a group of people that were building at the same time a golden calf to another god? Do those 10 words, literally the word in Hebrew is 10, not 10 commandments, but the 10 words, are these 10 words relevant at all in our day and age? Well, I pray that over the next 13 weeks of this semester that we will discover that these words have life for us here and now. I think that maybe the commandment to not covet, not desire your roommate's stuff or their girlfriend or their boyfriend or whatever might have a little bit of relevance for us. And that's just one. One. So I hope that over these next few weeks that you'll walk with us in an adventure as we go back to that mountainside and hear these words maybe for the first time. We can never forget, though, in all of this, and I pray that, that you would remember that as God utters these thou shalt nots, he is the one that says, I am the one who has brought you out. I have delivered you. I have saved you. I have redeemed you and you are mine. My love is an everlasting love. I wanted to share with you a little bit of my story. Because like I said at the beginning, if you knew me when I was 14, 15, 16, and then you projected ahead and said, some years later, that you would be on a stage talking about God. You wouldn't believe it. So I put together this little quick slideshow. It's not going to be long, and so I'm going to whip through it really quick. So this is where I grew up, Seattle, Washington, one of the most beautiful places on earth. There's a handful of our staff that are from there. And I grew up as a switch, an atheist, somebody that does not believe in God. And, in fact, my older brother and I were taught almost to ridicule those that had any sort of belief in a higher or supreme being. My dad taught philosophy at the Switch University of Washington. Go Huskies. And he he taught that for a long time. My dad was an extremely intelligent and intellectual man. And so his arguments against the existence for God was what I grew up with most of my life. Let's move on to the next one. I went to Roosevelt High School, which is right down the street from the University of Washington. The women's basketball team, the Rough Riders, uh, they made it into a movie. Uh, Uh, There it is, Heart of the Game, anybody seen this movie? It's like only RHS alums have. But anyway, um, Roosevelt High School, and there I was, here's my little thing, switch, sorry. I was co-valedictorian with a a girl named Eugenia Chan. We're friends on Facebook now, it's okay. I played soccer and ran for class president and lost. And um, that's my summation of my high school life. Um, Next switch. This is where it gets serious a little bit. On my junior year, my life really did begin to fall apart. As intelligent as my dad was, he could not handle many of the stresses of his life. And that image on the left is a bottle of wine. Um, And uh, every day, my dad would drink and drink and drink and pass out in the chair in the living room. And that made me start asking a lot of questions. Um, My junior year was also the girl that I thought was my first love and forever love broke my heart by starting to date the captain of the soccer team. Ooh, Uh, Switch. Um, In seventh grade, somebody handed me one of those. In seventh grade, I remember laughing. Laughing at this man in a suit that handed me a Bible. That's what I was taught. And yet I remember, somehow I remembered on one particular night in the spring of my junior year in high school when I was like, what is the point of all this? My parents' marriage is breaking up. This girl dumped me. All this crap was going on all around me. Something, something, at the time I could only say something, told me to go find that thing that somebody had handed me. And I began to read it. Switch. Uh, At that same time, this ministry called Young Life that some of you might be familiar with, came to my high school and all of a sudden my friends, for lack of a better term, came out of the closet with uh, their faith. They started talking about it. They started uh, challenging me with it. Switch. Um, I ended up uh, graduating from high school before many of you were born. (laughs) And uh, uh, went to a small college in California called Pomona College, about an hour east of Los Angeles. I joined a fraternity, um, majored in psychology. Pomona, ironically, had one Christian ministry. And I went about four times my freshman year and never went back. So it's kind of funny that I'm doing this now and telling people to come more than four times their freshman year. Switch. Um, went Moved back to Seattle after I graduated. Switch. Uh, became a Young Life leader. Led a core group. Led an inner city ministry to kids. Made copies from my church. And ironically, out of that, that's what paid them the most. And got hired to be an intern in a college ministry in University of Colorado in Boulder. And that's where I met this lady. That's my wife, Kelsey Burke. Kai Omega from uh, uh, University of Colorado. And um, she's walking with our twins out the door, I think. Um, He'll meet them in a second. Um, Let's switch, Max. Um, Speaking (laughs) of interns... (laughs) Speaking of interns dating students, because my wife definitely was a student. I wanted to introduce you, if you didn't get him earlier... That's Daniel Gamble, 2010 UTC grad and full-time intern at the house. And I don't know if history repeats itself, but Daniel is single. So, uh, you know, all you students can just line up afterwards and talk to him. So, anyway, that's actually not fair. We hired Daniel more than for his good looks. Um, He is a godly guy that I know a lot of you guys are going to really connect with and uh, you're going to love. So let's go to the next slide. I have no idea how that got in there. (laughs) That's really weird. But anyway, okay, so our full-time intern, Emily Eggers from University of Washington. Stand up, Emily, you're right here. Emily Eggers came to us from (laughs) Seattle, Washington. Anybody noticing a little trend here? Uh, She's a full-time intern at the house and um, her relationship status is? She's got a boyfriend. His name's Michael, so just take it easy, guys. And um, so anyway. um, All right, let's move on to the next one. Okay, uh, I want to introduce, she's here tonight too in the back as well. Julie Goodfellow has been on our staff for all of about one month. And uh, she uh, managed the Young Life office up in Knoxville for about eight years and is now beginning nursing studies with all you um, so she's a graduate program, but uh, here at UTC, so if you see her, um, say hi to her. And then let's introduce the rest of our staff. Um, Kirsten Hawkins, our ministry coordinator. She's been on staff uh, here with us four years and also came to us from the University of Washington. Um, and with a picture like that, I think you've got to ask her for her cell number. So, um, and then uh, our associate director, Jason Leonard. His is the little picture, his much better halves. I know that's not good math, but his wife, Anna, and son, Jack, are sitting in the back as well, and uh, he's been our associate director for the last five years, and anybody guess where he's from? Seattle, Seattle Washington, of course. Okay, what do we got next? Switch. Uh, okay, so back to my story, which is infinitely more interesting. I married Kelsey in Colorado Springs in 1997. I went to a seminary in Princeton, and then I was called in June of 1998 to... Chattanooga, Tennessee. And since we've lived here since then, we have uh, three ki- uh, five kids now. You'll see the other two in a second. Hudson is nine, McLean is five, and Crew is four. And three weeks ago, we brought home... Uh, Justice and Simone, uh, they're back in the stroller, back through there, way past their bedtime, um, we adopted them from Ethiopia, it's been a two and a half year process that finally came true, uh, this, this past July, so, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, um, so, you know, a, a, former atheist that, um, never really went to a college ministry doing what I'm doing, um, God has a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. And um, you know, like I said at the beginning, that, that God never issues a commandment except from a relationship. And I will tell you that one of the greatest joys that I have is getting to do this with you all. So that I get every week to tell you about this God that has revealed himself to me for many, many years now. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's real. My dad passed away just about a year and a half ago. He struggled with drinking and depression most of his life. And the last thing I said to him when he came and visited my family out here in Chattanooga is I said, Dad, I know you don't believe this, but I know that God is real. And now I, don't, I don't know anything about a conversion on his deathbed or anything like that. But I can say to you all as well that these next years however many you have left in this time, cherish them and discover this God who wants to bring you out of whatever you have come from, wherever you have come from, whatever you are going through now. He is the Lord who brought us out. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, I pray that we would be a community of people that learns each other's stories and who's writing these stories. You have shown yourself to be the God who has brought us out. You brought your people out of slavery after many, many years. You can bring us out now. And I pray that over these next few weeks of this semester, that we might discover the life that is behind these words of command. Would you bless each and every person here? Would you challenge them as they go home and turn off the light tonight to reach out to you and speak to you in whatever words you give them and simply pray, God, show me what you will bring me out of What you will rescue me from, what you will deliver me from this Mm -hmm. year. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.